All right, my sermon message today is from the uh, reading of the Hebrews chapter 12. Those verses that say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sisters and brothers in Christ, we have an anniversary to celebrate this morning, and I know that it was only last June when we celebrated our congregation's anniversary. We call it Heritage Sunday every year, uh, and it was our 164th anniversary as a congregation. (laughs) You maybe didn't know that one month after this congregation was founded, they got together and they decided their first big order of business as a congregation was to join the Lutheran, Evangelical Lutheran Church of Missouri, Ohio, and other states. That's what it was called back then. And so on this second Sunday in August, before we begin a new sermon series next week with our church picnic, Pastor Smith is going to lead us into a wonderful new series of sermons that we're going to preach on this fall. Uh, We're going to see, uh, take a pause here to celebrate the anniversary, the 175th anniversary of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And we're going to learn how our great God has judged this humble little church body. We're not really that big in the the big scheme of Christian churches. We're not really that big, but God has used this humble church body to be worthy uh, of his gospel in the world in which we live. So today, this international church body, and uh, now's where you can uh, get out your bulletin and a pen or something if you want to write in and fill in the blanks that are on the uh, sermon outline today. We are a church of about 2 million members that are dispersed in 6,000 congregations around the United States. Uh, We operate 700 elementary schools, uh, like our own here at St. Paul's. Uh, We have 90 high schools in the Synod, uh, including, of course, Lutheran West and Lutheran East here in Cleveland. We have nine universities scattered around the country, I think they're all named Concordia, and we have two seminaries. And by the way, all of these schools make up the second largest parochial uh, system uh, of education in the United States. Of course, the Roman Catholics are larger than us. The Missouri Synod does mission work in 90 countries around the world, and we work through 300 recognized service organizations to do service ministry to extend caring social ministry to one in every 50 Americans. Now that would be like a Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry, Building Hope in the City, uh, Lutheran World Relief, the way in which we, we do together what none of us could ever do alone in responding to human need. We are really involved in missions because for years we have had two organizations, one called the LWML, the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, and the other one called Lutheran Hour Ministry that are really focused on getting the gospel beyond ourselves, right? And we own uh, the third largest uh, publishing house, Christian publishing house in the United States. It's called Concordia, of course it is. Concordia Publishing House. And those little arch books uh, in the uh, lower right-hand corner there of the slide, uh, those little arch books of children's uh, messages have sold over 60 million copies, way beyond our own church body. Not bad, huh, for a little church body? And I share these statistics 
not in order to boast this morning, but to share what I said earlier, that our great God has judged this humble church body to be worthy of his use in the world for the last 175 years. Pretty cool. And you maybe didn't realize that the whole movement actually started two years earlier in 1845 on the shores of Lake Erie in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, about where Public Hall is located now, downtown, that's where Zion Lutheran Church was worshiping at the time. And a bunch of uh, confessional German Lutheran leaders from Michigan and Indiana and Illinois and New York and Ohio got together here in Cleveland and their main resolution from that meeting was that they would meet in two years hence in 1847 in Chicago and they would invite the St. Louis leaders to come up to Chicago and all of them together would form this synod that was originally named the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Missouri Ohio and other states and they did that in 1847 that's where we get the 175 years and they did it by having 12 congregations joined together and here is the list of the 12 who joined together the first two are actually from the state of Ohio St. John Marysville which is just a little uh, northwest of uh, Columbus and then Zion in Wilshire which is over on the Indiana border in northwest Ohio and uh, you see the other 10 from Frankenmuth, Buffalo, uh, Fort Wayne, uh, St. Louis, of course. Uh, those are the 12 congregations that formed in 1847 the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. What does that word synod mean? Uh, well, it literally means walking together. It comes from a Greek word means walking together down a road on a journey together hand in hand and from the very beginning of our synod this largely German group of immigrants that were confessional that is to say they really held on tightly not only to the word of God but to the confessions of the, of the Reformation they came to this new land for the freedom to be able to walk together and, and they realized that there was on this road that they were walking together there were ditches on either side that's why I put on the picture a road with ditches on either side there was on the one side a ditch that we would call just secular unbelief they didn't want to fall into that ditch and on the other side of the road there was false doctrine Okay, they didn't want to fall in that ditch either they want to join hands and march together in the spirit of the Reformation that had begun 300 years earlier. Our epistle reading together uh, from Hebrews 11 and 12 follows a whole chapter that talks about the Old Testament saints who also walked together by faith. Did you notice how many times the words by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, huh? Now I know you've heard of halls of fame. We have here the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland and we have the Professional Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Well, uh, chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is sometimes called the Hall of Faith. Not fame, but faith. Verse by verse we read, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, 
By faith, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. Rahab, the prostitute. The list goes on and on. As a matter of fact, by the end, the author is getting exhausted, and he simply says, time does not allow me to tell you about Gideon and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered nations enforced justice received promises and lived their lives in honor of the God who had delivered them and then remember there are no chapter divisions I told you in the book of Hebrews or in the Bible for that matter and so after he just in exhaustion tells of all these saints of the Old Testament who by faith lives, then he says, since we therefore are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside anything that's weighing us down. Got that? Let's lay aside the sin that clings so closely to us. Right? And instead, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, in like manner, we could look at the 175-year history of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod this morning. By faith, Martin Stephan, over in Germany, took issue with the watering down of the Reformation principles that was happening in the state church of Germany. By faith, a small group of people numbering about 665 decided in 1838 to leave Germany, travel across miles of ocean, Atlantic Ocean, and settle in this strange new land where they could, where, where they could worship in liberty. 106 of them, of the 665, died because they were on a ship called the Amelia. The Amelia sunk in the Atlantic Ocean. By faith, those who made it came up the Mississippi River from New Orleans, and many of them stopped there in Perry County or St. Louis, Missouri, and they chose a man by the name of C.F.W. Walther. He was our first president. Maybe you've heard of the Walther League, the old youth group that was named after him. And in the same time, a man over in Germany by the name of Friedrich Winneken sent faithful, well-trained pastors from Germany over to places like Frankenmuth and Fort Wayne. And another missionary by the name of Leahy, William Leahy, came to Buffalo, New York, another hotbed of Lutheran confessionalism. And then the last three on the list that's up on the screen there, Henrik Schwann, he was the first pastor of Zion, East 30th, still exists today, downtown Cleveland. And uh, John Lindemann was the pastor of our mother church, Trinity, on West 29th. And he became the first president later on of Concordia and River Forest. And our own pastor, John Ruprecht, who for 53 years was a pastor right here at St. Paul Lutheran, and his earthly remains are buried across the street. These are the leaders who met in Cleveland, and uh, two years later, by the way, they would host the first uh, synodical convention right here in Cleveland. And as the book of Hebrews says, so today we have to say about all of these 
leaders, and there were, of course, wonderful women who were connected to that movement too, whether it be here in Cleveland or in Frankenmuth, Fort Wayne, St. Louis. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we should lay aside we now. Think of those who have gone before us. We who have passed it on, who took not a tomato but the gospel in all of its truth and purity, passed it on to you and me, right? Don't let anything weigh us down. Don't especially let sin that clings to us so closely, but rather let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Isn't that great? But how do we do that? Especially in this culture that really does weigh us down, doesn't it? The way we look at the immediate past the last 10 years of religious life here in America how are we going to do this run the race well the answer is right here in our text by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus he didn't give up he didn't give up because there was a cross waiting for him on the contrary for the joy that was set before him our text says he endured the cross right he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross for you and for me because he loves you and he wants to make sure that you don't go to hell he would rather go to hell for you than go to heaven without you keep your eyes fixed on that kind of love think of what he went through all that he had to endure by the hands of sinful men and don't let, your, don't let yourself become discouraged by anything. Here is where we gain our strength. Look at that picture. And I know you who in, are in person here are up here. But the folks who are online, look at that. Look at what he had to endure. Okay? Here is God's mercy. Really demonstrated. It isn't the history of the Missouri Synod or those leaders that came from Saxony. It's Jesus and the forgiveness offered by the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. There's no giving up in the church of Jesus Christ. We live in, the uncertain, we live in uncertainty, but we don't live in a life of discouragement, not at all. There's no giving up in the church of Jesus Christ. We are tempted, sure we are, by sin. How we fail the Lord, we wonder how we can stand strong when the world seems to be drifting further and further away from God's will. We wonder how we can rejoice in God's mercy when we've just heard that we've lost a loved one or we've gotten some bad news in life. Yeah, uncertainty and discouragement are part of the human experience. We all have them. But that's no way to live. We live by faith. God's report regarding human history goes like this. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, Martin Luther. By faith, C.F.W. Walther. By faith, Oswald Hoffman. By faith, Pastor Ruprecht. By faith, Pastor Oxford. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are who we are today. Today, 
as we are bridging between the past and the future. Angela Morgan was one of America's most prolific poets back in the uh, early 1900s. She passed away in 1957, but she left us this encouraging verse. You, the Almighty, have you forgot? Are you our God or are you not? When will you come to save this earth where death has conquered birth? And the Lord God answered and said to me, These things shall be, these things shall be. But help will not come from the scarlet skies until my people rise. Till my people rise, I cannot speak. My voice is weak till my people speak. Till my people rise, my arms are numb. I cannot come till my people come. When my people rise, when my people rise, I will answer them from the scarlet skies and lift them up to the level of my eyes when my people rise, when my people rise. I love history. I love history for the lessons it teaches us for the days which are yet ahead. As gatekeepers between yesterday and tomorrow, are we going to be satisfied being a smaller congregation than we were before the pandemic? Are we going to just resign ourselves to some kind of tired, comfortable Christianity? Because, oh my pastor, we've been through so much. And the world is getting so bad out there. Are we going to go soft on the truth of God's word, letting the ways of the world water it all down to some kind of... <clears throat> or are we going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, and fixing our eyes on Jesus... Will my people rise? Will my people rise? Thank you, Lord, for the 175 years that you've honored this little church body, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to do mission work in your name in this place. For Jesus' sake, amen.